0: Hello, all, and welcome, welcome to another exciting, invigorating, and astounding, maybe, episode of Maine Education Matters. We're your number one source for information, Eh. and, well, highly mediocre analysis of education, legislation, and policy, straight from the Education Cultural Affairs Committee in the Maine Legislature, the Maine Department of Education, and beyond. You know what we do? We provide you with updates, goings on of legislation policy that are impacting schools and districts to help the educators and the leaders and the students uh, and families have more empowered and informed voice in Maine Education Room.
1: In a nutshell, we listen so you don't have to.
0: My name is Matt.
1: And my name is Julie.
0: And today, Julie, we are going to be covering the week of March 22nd, a couple of big days in the Ed Committee a day of work session and public hearings on the 22nd, and a day of public hearings on the 24th. All total, um, we're talking 12 bills.
1: Wow, I I have one question to start though. Okay, What happened to Daughtry?
0: I I don't know. Did you
1: not start the season with her being the chair or is that something that I imagined? Because she is no longer the chair of our committee.
0: So I think that's important for our our our, our listeners to know is that Senator Doty out of Brunswick was the chair of the education committee, and has she, and, and this week or so or last week she just was not there anymore. Has she been? We don't know what's going on.
1: I I think it's Bailey. Is it tempor- I think is it's it? the dog. I think it was the Smythe Smackdown.
0: Oh my goodness. So you're responsible, is that what what we're saying here? It
1: could be, so if any of our listeners know why, at least we think she started as the chair, as the Joint Standing Committee, and now is no longer, um, we would like to know, because I've scoured the tube of the U and I can't seem to find the information.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know if it's a temporary thing if it's a like like it's a you know a temporary thing she has to leave for some emergency medical or family thing I don't know or if this is a permanent thing and I don't know if that means she's out of the legislature I don't know if she I, I just don't know but it is no, important I, to know I that I, went,
1: I did do a little research and I did go on her legislative page and it just says that she is connected with the Joint Committee of Education and Cultural Affairs and then Coach Raff Senator Rafferty. When I went to his page, it certainly said that he is the chair. So, to be determined. I have one more question though. When okay. you when you coin the phrase "highly mediocre,"
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> is that an oxymoron?
0: Um, define oxymoron.
1: Well, I mean. I mean-
0: in your in your so go ahead
1: right so you know jumbo shrimp two words that are opposite so when you started to say highly I was you know starting to say oh maybe I've improved in my analysis but then you added mediocre so or maybe I'm the highly component and you're the mediocre component
0: oh see I I look at it this way I look at it as you are very much the highly
1: okay you're, okay. you're the
0: highly and I am so low. <laughs> that we average out at a highly mediocre because I'm, I'm like so low. You bring us up to above mediocre.
1: I'm so glad you think that. I'm going to make sure that my husband and children are forced to listen to that part because they need yeah, put to
0: put keep... that. Just put that on constant loop in your house.
1: There we go. There we go.
0: So on March the 22nd, let's start off with a couple of work session bills. First was LD 453 an act to establish a permanent appointment to the mem as of a member of the Wabanaki tribe to so the board of trustees of the University of Maine system
1: right it seems that it was a language change that instead of referring to the said representative as a Wabanaki from the Wabanaki tribe they would prefer, the sponsors of this bill would prefer that it be changed to a federally recognized Indian tribe or band, that that language would sit better in statute. What did you think of that adjusted language?
0: Um, My thinking of that adjusted language is that I wasn't impressed by it. Really? No. Hmm. No, I was, I was actually really hoping that it would specifically be Wabanaki because it would put the, the Maine tribes particular um, in that position and it would focus on the Maine tribes.
1: It is my understanding that Wabanaki is yeah. a federally recognized tribe that is more encompassing than Maine in that when we talk about the Wabanaki in Maine, we're talking about Micmac, Penobscot. Um, feel free to jump in. I don't have my notes in front of me. Two other, no, and you are listening. As we record this podcast, there are announcements going on at um, Matt's location.
0: Yeah, there sure are. It's the end of, end of the school day here. Yes. So sorry about that, folks.
1: Um.
0: So so I think my, my my bigger point that I was really hoping for is that it would specifically label out the the tribes of Maine that have been a part of Maine that helped establish Maine um, before it was colonized, that it would just say, nope, this is who was part of this 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 land, and this is who deserves a place at the table. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with specifically, pointed that out. Now I get the, 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 the legislative side and the statutory language and it makes it cleaner and neater. I get that. But I would be disingenuous and dishonest if I said I wasn't a little bit disappointed that mm. they couldn't just say Wabanaki. Mm. But they know the law better than I do.
1: Yeah, um, so as you were perplexed or concerned about the language, I continue to be concerned of why this would be a divided report and divided on party lines.
0: That's one of the things that I could not figure out from the work session. I listened to this work session, and I still just couldn't understand and, and, and figure and to articulate. It ended up being a, a divided report. Majority ought to pass as amended, changing that little change at the beginning. Um, minority ought not to pass. And it was eight to four. It was straight down party lines. I don't understand it.
1: I mean, I respect Representative Stearns when he shared his point. He said, you know, we have to be careful about balancing or we have to be careful about making sure that we provide latitude to whomever the governor may be. And I'm not sure if that's making an excuse for a previous governor in his party or I don't know. It just...
0: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. The, that didn't it didn't make any sense to me so um i'm looking forward to hearing what more has to be said about this um uh, bottom line it did get passed and it has being moved forward as amended it could come back and uh, it could the language could be changed again at some point under f- like further considerations or whatever it's called that right. next step um but we'll see what happens but it has moved forward and uh and an eight to four all party lines the other one that day ld 15 and act to create new models of main manufacturing employment and education presented by representative sylvester out of portland <laughs> also a divided report majority ought to pass as amended nine votes minority ought not to pass three.
1: So we Which did have a little a little tro- bit bipartisan. We did have a, a little cross uh, bipartisanship, yes,
0: otherwise it, it was it was completely by it was completely partisan. Um, so. A couple of things moving forward on the 22nd. They then took a break that I've had, what had some lunch. We can only assume one place they went for lunch. Um, cross cafe. You, do,
1: you do know they're remote sweetheart.
0: I still, I'm assuming that they still commute in to go to the cross cafe for lunch.
1: Okay. I just, I just wanted to make sure you're aware. I'm wait, I'm not ready to get off this yet.
0: Okay. Let's, let's go back.
1: All right. Just a few, a few thoughts. One, Um, Again, Representative Stearns asking, is this bill really necessary? Um, (laughs) And I just, I think people answered him that, you know, this is for an improved economy. Yada, yada, yada. I love that. Um, But going back to, I think it was the hearing. What did you think when Senator Woodsum? this goes along with some of our language conversations we've had he would like to see the term adult education changed to extended education. Did you catch that? Or have you heard that?
0: I have, I, I must've missed that part, but as we we're sitting here thinking and talking, um, I don't, I don't hate the idea. I don't love the idea.
1: Okay. Yeah, I have
0: some I- more, some more thinking on it to do because I don't really I never really like the words adult education anyway. But I think and I think the the implication or the the intention of the word of the word change is really, really good to make it so that you know that idea of a lifelong learner is always there and we're just keeping going and it's to anybody. Um, so I think that's some that's that's worth some consideration. You know?
1: I know why you're hurrying me on to um, the hearings. I've got your number, Matt, Druitt card.
0: Uh, what, what did I do? What, what am I doing here?
1: Dolly testified. Yeah. Or Dolly provided t- testimony. So you keep hurrying me through 453 and 515 because you want to talk about Dolly.
0: Um, you know, Julie, when when you when you know me, you know me. And when you call me out, you call me out. <laughs> the one thing that I look forward to more in my life than anything else is testimony from Dolly Sullivan because that is like the epitome of testimony and it is a thing that um I really don't sleep well until I'm able to see testimony from Dolly so you've caught me that's exactly it I have hands up I'm just going in the back you know read me my Miranda rights
1: So before this LD 326 was introduced I got a kick out of they had an hour long lunch break and I'm sure some of them may have gone down to the a few of them may have gone down to the cross cafe but um, I just love representative McCray from Fort Fairfield and he's he shared the story that you know when he started in education he had an hour-long lunch and then when he finished in 2016 he was lucky if he had a 25-minute lunch so he was very appreciative yeah. that the committee had a, a lunch hour um as it was in the beginning of his education career but um 326 i can't wait to hear what you think of this what, oh what is, boy what, is, what what does representative facto have up his sleeve here
0: well to, so as of the current count, Representative Fecto is now tied with Representative Benin for bills presented to the Education Cultural Affairs Committee. Both of them sit at 10 bills. They have now they are now brought or bringing forward. Uh, this is LD 326, an act to authorize lifetime teacher certificates. I, I will fully admit I did not hear this one live. I was in other meetings at the time. I've gone back and read the testimony, and I've uh, talked to some people who have listened to it or read it, and... Um, Here's my take on it. I don't know if I brought it up here before, but here's my take on it. As in just about a month's time, less than a month's time now, actually, um, I'm going to be turning 45. Okay?
1: Spring chicken.
0: Sure, because 40s are spring chickens.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, this is,
0: I have dealt with this my entire education career that I'm just a young kid is there is there a moment where I become the old guard? When does that happen?
1: Well, you keep choosing co-hosts who are older than you, so I think that's your own fault.
0: There's a reason for that. You bring <laughs> the wisdom. <laughs> right? Well, no, that would be say that Matt Shape brought wisdom. Um, but with, but this bill would say that I've been in education now for over 20 years. I started off in my early twenties went through a lot of different iterations, Mm -hmm. but because I've been in education for over 20 years, I would never have to seek another professional certification again. Now, I started in 2001, public education in particular, 2001. Has anything happened to the education world that's worth discussing, that might be worth having like significant professional development on outside of our teacher evaluation system Mm
1: -hmm. in that 20 years? The more things change the know, more they, yeah it's yes yeah i was i didn't look at it at that angle as much as um i like you know representative brennan said why 20 and yeah representative Fecto was very honest he said i i just you know it's a starting point in the conversation
0: <laughs> i did so, hear that he said i just picked a number yeah um speak speak you know, right now, th- things like the word YouTube have become ubiquitous with searching and things. It's one of the most powerful search engines in the world. That didn't even start until 2005. I yeah.
1: know.
0: So, what's the, what's going to happen in another 15 years? What's it going to be like from now? I, I there was a lot of conversation about that. Like, is 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 this going to be worthwhile? And so, I I I do not see this going. Anywhere well,
1: I loved I think it was it was Dolly Sullivan's testimony that she and I could be wrong and, and you can quote me, Who's but um, I believe it was Dolly Sullivan from educate Maine who pointed out <laughs> that this bill devalues our professionalism. And in a lot of ways. Lot of ways um, I think the intent was to honor the profession. Um, but maybe I could, maybe 35 years, I I would look at it a little bit differently. I think someone came on and said, you know, if you really want to honor teachers from 20 years on, take away the, um, don't have them pay, don't have them pay for their certification, but certainly make sure that they're staying on top of, the professional development needs the ever-changing. Sure. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The ever-changing roadmap of our profession. So.
0: Yeah, because and and to have it all be reliant upon school and districts' teacher evaluation systems and structures, mm-hmm. um, they are not all consistent across, and um, they are they not all the districts evaluate teachers on their professionalism or their professional development. Right. Um, many just focus on things like instructional practices. Um, and there's other things that go into it, but the evaluation system doesn't necessarily encompass that. So it's, it's a bit of a stretch. I was, I was not surprised to see certain organizations say, yep, we want this. It's a great idea. And then other organizations came out and said, "Yep, yeah, Nope, this is a terrible idea.
1: Or neither for nor against. That was a yeah. little interesting from, um, was it? I don't know if it was the school board or the main school management, but um, very yeah. interesting. Like I said, I think if it increased to thirty-five or forty years, with I could wrap my head around it more, but not twenty. And we should be elevating our professionalism, not devaluing it by any means. So I look I, forward to the work session on this. Do we know when it I is? Do
0: too. The work session on that has not yet been established. The other one that day, next one of that day, was LD three hundred and fifty, an act to increase the number of courses regarding autism spectrum disorder that count toward special education certification, presented by Representative Crafts out of Newcastle, a lovely little town. There are ten... a lovely
1: lady, lovely lady. I was impressed. Never with met her. her. Uh,
0: there are ten. There were ten items of testimony here. So what was this one all about?
1: This one, I definitely see where she's coming from. She's saying that currently, if you want to receive an endorsement in special education, you need 24 credits. And of those 24, only three seem to be earmarked for autism spectrum disorder. She is suggesting, not mandating, but saying, couldn't we increase that to at least three courses so that if someone, maybe even BCBAs, and I won't get the correct behavioral consulting analysis. I don't even know why I attempted that, but we were to increase.
0: Make something up.
1: Right. Well, if we were able to increase to three courses, not mandate, but say, buffalo you know, those-
0: chicken burritos.
1: I no, moved okay. on from that. I'm it. Buffalo chicken burrito. Awesome. Association. Oh, we could form an association. Oh, <gasps> of
0: buffalo chicken burritos.
1: I had the best buffalo chicken pizza last night. Oh, oh. but we're going. Sorry. Okay. What are you doing to me? Um, I like how this provides more experience, more uh, professional development training or whatnot. Um, Though it sounds like there could be an amendment again around the language, instead of being specific to autism spectrum disorder that changed the language to um, developmental disabilities, um, that more people would be on board with it. So I, I see this moving forward
0: I think it has a good, is a good shot. I don't think, I, I don't think there'll be anything to stop, stop it going forward uh, it's, all it's doing is adjusting special education certification process to be a little bit more um, up with the times, so to speak.
1: Although it did remind me of um, many of us in the curriculum world. Well, I can't speak for you, but I know I was pleased when there was legislature to try to increase Um, Literacy content in undergraduate programming. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that it was within the proficiency based time and it didn't, it either didn't go forward or it was repealed. I don't remember exactly because I wasn't, I I don't think I had main education matters at that time in my life. But this reminded me of how difficult it was to add the literacy content. Yeah. uh, so I'm just curious as to where this will go, but it seems like it should go.
0: Uh, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if it didn't. Do you think this is gonna go straight through or do you think it's gonna be bipartisan or uh, it's gonna be partisan?
1: It seems like it should, it, this is one that seems it should be everybody on board. Let's support our teachers and supporting our students with disabilities, give them more training if they want. I like that it's not mandatory, it's, you know, up to three credits could be within the realm of developmental disabilities.
0: That's where I see the only hangup for this bill being is because it's optional. I can see some folks saying, well, why do we need a bill to do this? Mm-hmm. Why do we need more legislation to make it a possibility, an option? That's the only hangup that I see. And, I, and, and given how conversations in the ed committee have gone so far this year, that's been a recurring, um, recurring stance. Yeah. by some folks, so I'll be interested to see. And speaking of IEPs and special education, LD 552 was heard on the 22nd, an act to strengthen the I individualized education pro- program process presented by Representative Millette out of Cape Elizabeth. We now have a new leader for amount of testimony provided. 47 items of testimony were provided regarding improving the IEP process. So what, is, what does this bill, first of all, uh, do? Because I don't think we um, reviewed this one.
1: Yeah, or well, this I, one. Lo- I, I, I have so much respect for Representative Millette. I mean, she is enmeshed in the educational committee. I mean, you know, in the educational world. she If she doesn't have an answer to something, she seems to know where to go to find it. Um, I love how she introduced this. She said, there are five sections to this, two changes in the law, but only one purpose. And she talked about codifying, 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 codifying the process. And the two major changes, which when Erin Frazier came on from the DOE to testify neither for nor against, she really confused me. When all of the testimony for it, I completely understood that they want it to be a consent situation where right now the federations, the coalitions, the, the lawyers, they all see the IEP process as if the special ed director wants it to go one way, it's going to go that way and parents don't have a say. This 552 would be more supportive around, no, this is truly an IEP team decision. We're going to reach consensus um, before we move forward. So that was one part of it. The other part is this law specifically includes the language that ed techs would be included in the IEP process. And what Aaron Frazier says is they can be. Um, So very interesting. People that I highly respect. Um, Carrie Woodcock is a Saco is native and she is the executive director for Maine Parent Federation. And she is a wealth of knowledge and a huge advocate for, for students and families. And she spoke in favor of it. Um, so I was really feeling like, oh, this is when I wanna get behind. But then I started thinking about my friends who are special ed directors. And I'm like, well, I don't wanna hurt their feelings. Like what's the right thing with this? And it sounds like Massachusetts and New Hampshire already have this in play. 12 they're other states. That's what it have, sounds
0: like too. Something something similar.
1: Yeah. 12 other states have this consent. It's They're called consensus-based IEPs. Right. Now, many of our school districts have, um, you know, th- this isn't, what can I say? I'm sure the the few districts out there who have struggled to build consensus with parents um, are far less than, than those who have positive connections. But this is trying to even the playing field and make sure every parent's experience, every parent's voice is heard.
0: Right. And, that, and, and I think it, it, that's, that empowerment is really important and is a, is a great step in terms of making it, a collaborative process about a team base. It's supposed to be a team thing as opposed to just being a top-down deciding thing. This is what's happening to your child. This is what's happening with our child right. as we're all taking a, taking a stance on this particular uh, kid and what this kid's needs are. And uh, you know, there are great consensus models out there. I don't think that the DOE is gonna, or the legislature is gonna, legislature is gonna come back and say, this is the exact consensus model you have to use. Right. Um, are you concerned at all that the ed that an IEP team then could be like bulldozed through a parent anyway with a consensus model if it's like is it a majority approach or you know there are some consensus models where you have the thumbs up which is yes I totally agree a thumb sideway is ah, I'm not sure I agree but I can live with it and the thumbs down is I don't agree and we can't move on from this yet
1: right. well at least Riley- well,
0: like that would that then be a consensus model? If that's a consensus model. Is that what people would do or it'd be more like a majority vote work, you know? how? I, I'm a little bit concerned only about that on this side, but that is a such a nuanced way down the road decision. I don't think it's enough to stop stop this. Right.
1: So the attorney for the Disability Rights of Maine, um, Atlee Riley, he has submitted pages of testimony and he kindly did not read from those pages, but he said, he, he wanted to sort of decipher for the committee what he had heard from the previous testimony and also try to predict why the special ed directors who or you know whoever's speaking against it have the thoughts that they do. And he suggested the first thing to do is to change it, the language in the bill from consensus to consent. That making sure you have the parents' consent um, could be a positive to this bill. That, perhaps the consensus is exactly what you said, that it could be a very much delayed process. Um, but,
0: but So let me ask this question then. If a parent were to say, nope, I don't want special education services for the kid and, this, and, this, and the, the rest of the IEP team, the teachers, the administrators, the special ed director, et cetera, say, uh, the consultants, the behavioral consultants, speech and therapy, et cetera, whoever might be, say, no, the kid needs this. Does that mean the kid would not then get the IEP? would not get the services if it's if it's a consent based thing
1: i'm pretty sure that the parents trump everything that if a parent refuses services that child will not receive services right Mm -hmm.
0: um in in many ways yeah parents are the final arbiter and all of it yes
1: right right this is more i see this as and again i have many good friends who are special ed directors, and they do a fabulous job. Um, And I would hate to advocate for something that I don't completely understand. But this seems to me that the intent is that there are some special ed directors out there, that when a child needs something that might be too costly for the district, that the special ed ed director might stand their ground, because they know that the district can't afford it. And So this law would ease would would not allow that to happen. Apparently, interesting. For me, the two things that came to mind as I listened to this were, my heart goes out to imagine special ed directors in their first and second year. I mean, there's so much to learn. You're navigating relationships. You're navigating the law. You're navigating the financial. Um, you know, the finances of, and the expense of special ed, I I just, a seasoned special ed director with a lot of experience probably doesn't get him or herself in these, you know, many of these situations I feel for the newbies out there. And Erin Frazier, when she spoke, she talked about how, you know, we are here for the parents, but we're also here for the providers and, and the educators. Yep. That was one thing I thought of as I listened. Oh, and the other thing I thought of was, um, I know some amazing ed techs, specifically ed techs who are one-on-one with children. Some of them definitely want to be at that table and they want to be able to voice their opinion, but, they're, but not all ed techs want to be at that table. So whatever they do with the language of this, I hope that it's something that is what's best for, that team and it's not the ed tech has to be there because i know some ed techs who would prefer to just write a little note and stay with the the child that they work with um, while the meeting happens so don't create a cookie cutter situation right
0: I, I i do like the fact in the summary it does say for that that um that the bill also requires the iep program team to allow a person to provide SPED services to a child with disability through regular direct contact to participate um, upon the request of the individual or the request of a team of the a member of the team. So it, it, it can be a request type situation. And um, given that they use the word request in there, that also tells me that perhaps the person has the opportunity to say, no, thank you. Mm. I'll,
1: pres- I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. That's, that's
0: kind of where I'm hoping, where I'm leaning on that one.
1: This, I think this one's going to get political. Oh, I do too. Yeah.
0: I very much do too. I think that there's going to be an, and, and I'm not sure how, because, well, how do you think it's going to be political?
1: I think there's more to it than I realize. I think I, as I listened, I was, I know I'm probably being naive about it because on paper, it seems like the right thing to do. 12 other states are doing this. Um, I just, I feel in, in my role of overseeing pre-K and working with child development services, yeah. who, they do a fantastic job, but there are so many times that our parents are at such a disadvantage and I hate that. You know, we they need advocates and sometimes I can only imagine there are some, some people who don't have that ability to, to represent the parents in their best interest so i worry yeah. about that but um i don't know I, th- I think there are some politics at play that i'm just too naive to regarding this and i look forward to the work session
0: Yeah, I'm i love curious. learning i love I'm this curious.
1: i really do but
0: i'm curious to see how the, in the politics of it what comes out is the again parents being the full arbiter of it mm-hmm. and to what extent does that play a role in the decision-making and the discussion of, because there's, there's some major, there's some major people on the committee who believe in um, the parents have the deci- ultimate decision-making overall, over all anything, no matter what. And other folks believe, well, no, there's more to it than just what a parent wants. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious if that's going to play into it and I, I could be totally wrong. And I hope that it, I kind of hope that it doesn't, but, that's one airway and politically, I could see that spinning spitting
1: out. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum,
0: finally, on the 22nd that afternoon, they looked at LD 639, an act to improve professional training for school counselors. A presented by Representative Crafts out of Newcastle, second one for the day on us, Representative Crafts. Uh, this, as it was originally drafted is a concept draft. Uh, normally concept drafts don't have any language, but this one, proposes to make changes to the certification requirements for school counselors to require that applicants demonstrate to the satisfaction of the DOE successful completion of a minimum of six hours of coursework in family or intimate partnered violence, including coursework in spousal or partner abuse that addresses screening, referral and intervention strategies, including knowledge of community resources, cultural factors, evidence-based risk assessment, and same gender abuse dynamics. The requirements must be based on similar course requirements for psychologists, clinical professional counselors, and clinical social workers.
1: I renamed this one.
0: Oh, okay, what's it called down?
1: WWBD.
0: What would burritos do?
1: Pretty darn close. I'm impressed. What will Bear do?
0: Oh, is it Bear Shay?
1: Bear Shea. I can't wait to hear what he thinks about yeah, this.
0: Bear Shea is a main department of education rock star, and uh, if you don't know his stuff, go onto go onto the DOE website, find him under the social emotional learning stuff, and he's just, well, like I said, a rock star. Yeah. Um,
1: this was fascinating to me. Fascinating. I don't know if. Do you want me to give you the rundown of what happened? Oh,
0: yeah, please.
1: Yeah. So love it her intent representative crafts um the intent is wonderful right we need to educate our make sure our counselors have what they need to to address this and the associations of school counseling said no we do not need this we are against this and the legislators were like really help us understand what do you mean How come you don't want six more hours of training for something that you have to deal with? So I just find this, it's just fascinating to me. And uh, Stanley Pelletier who is maybe an executive director of the Maine Counseling Association or he's in charge of public policy. I didn't take good notes on that. Um, he, He really tried to explain how we do this already we we have a comp, we have created these comprehensive systems and for you to mandate that we have to take time for 6 hours on something that you know we're all you know we've had hands on learning on this we 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 get it and we're there he said if you really want to support the concept of school counselors make sure every school has access to a school counselor.
0: Mm. So I love
1: when, um, when they provide solutions. How did that go over? Um, you know, many of the committee members have been in schools. So I, I, I think it, you know, I think if they had a magic wand, they definitely would want that. They asked good questions. Um, he provided great answers, but they really were perplexed as to why the main Counseling Association, and I'm trying to think of who the other, um, who else presented. Um, they were really perplexed as to why the counselors did not want this training interesting
0: very interesting indeed yeah very interesting indeed um
1: it's sort yeah, of the
0: like- the it would and look at the testimony just, uh folks like the Maine education association Maine school management association they were all like yeah we're in favor of this hmm. and the council for domestic violence was like i forget oh, i forget the exact uh name of them uh mcedv the main coalition to end domestic violence I want to make sure I get that right? They were we uh, we support this absolutely. We support this, right. and the counselor the 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 association for the counselors are like, we already do this. Yeah, we are we've already got this. So, and I guess part of the part of the question that I would have is, yes, it's part of your tra- it's part of the current training. To what extent is it a requirement of all school counselors? Right. And I don't and I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's part of reasons why this. Um, training is out there to make sure that everyone has this um,
1: It, reminds- or, is it one, or is it
0: one of those bills that comes forward again that's like someone had a thought about somewhere and wants to make sure that they put it in and does not really do their do their research I don't know
1: that's it right there I think that Representative Crafts her intentions were so good on this and Pelletier Mr. Pelletier he was wonderful about you know recognizing that but he was quite articulate in saying, I wish you would have asked us. You know, we you're kind of devaluing our professionalism and what we do by suggesting that we need this. And that's not what we want. Their jobs are so encompassing. I mean, if there is a school counselor or a social worker, I mean, he said, you know, we deal with everything from adverse child um, childhood, effects Francis. and what that ha- you know what that does to kids to child abuse prevention training to letting kids you know talking to them about what they want to do in the summer and what their career path is going to be I mean I don't know if if the counselors don't feel they need the six-hour training then I don't want to force it down their throat to have the six-hour training you can lead a horse to water Matt
0: but you can't make it be part of the Buffalo Chicken Burrito Association.
1: Correct, correct.
0: Well, that wraps up the 22nd. A few bills on that day, which then brings us a little a couple of days later into the week to March the 24th. And we're gonna start with LD444, an act to create parity between Department of Education recommendations and Maine Principals Association guidelines for sports. Presented by Representative Falkingham out of Winter Harbor, uh, they heard this on the twenty fourth, and they held a work session on the twenty fourth and vote ought not to pass.
1: There you have it, crossed it off so, our list.
0: So I don't even think we need to discuss it because it's not even going to go and it's not going to do anything.
1: Okay, next. I find
0: those I find those hysterical. It's like it's like the, the the person says, "No, I'm withdrawing this bill. Sorry, didn't mean to waste all your time." Uh L.D. 636, an act to encourage the purchase of local foods for public schools, represented from Senator Vitelli out of Sagadahawk, who this podcast has interviewed. And we happened on uh, March the 24th. Let's see. This, what does this bill do?
1: I think it says if you grow good things in your community, you can use those in your cafeteria.
0: The bill changes the name of the local produce fund within the doe to the local foods fund so instead of just produce it could be funds provides the funds maximum state match for the purchase is 7500 per school administrative unit in fiscal year 21 22 and after that it'll be up to ten thousand per sau so it's bumping up the the um, amount of uh purchase of produce or minimally minimally processed foods it's bumping that number up so districts can spend more they have more money to spend on those local minimally minimally processed uh, foods. Also provides that the food the fund may be used to help purchase may include value added dairy and protein and that food may be purchased from local food processors and food service distributors.
1: Hmm. I would love to see a buy map local. of Maine. Yeah by local. I'd love to see a map of Maine created with what who's who's producing what and I mean you know I know where the blueberries are and where the fish and the seafood and the potatoes and things like that but
0: I never know where to find seafood. Yeah no nah, where, where do you go do you go to the mountains for that you're funny i will say i lived in new mexico for a couple of years not many years ago and while out there having grown up in new england area i never ate seafood once while out there because i was like why would i eat something that i know has been frozen they say oh fresh lobster no it ain't <laughs> no no Fresh lobsters. when you go down to the pier and you watch them bring it out of the water and then put it into the pot and then put it onto your, that's fresh lobster. Not the stuff that's been on dry ice for hours. But anyway, this one had 16 pieces of testimony and uh, I did not see really anything that was uh, opposed to it. Mm. So,
1: but this one did not have a work session yet.
0: It has not had a work session yet, but it has one scheduled for April the 2nd. Okay. Can you believe it? We're scheduling it into April already.
1: Oh, crazy. Crazy, crazy.
0: LD650 is the next one. An act to increase funding for school construction projects. Presented by Representative Bailey out of Gorham. Oh. This bill had five, only five items of testimony. And what this bill did, or excuse me, what it, no, it did what it does is it requires that the appropriation for debt service allocation for school construction be placed in a separate account than the account for general purpose aid for local schools attributable to principal and interest costs for approved major capital projects. It lost me after the bill requires. After that, I just, I kind of blacked out there.
1: Well, where I went when you said that the the sponsor was from Gorham. I went to, hmm, they must've been like fourth or fifth on the list and they only received <laughs> and only three got approved. So that's where my my mind went.
0: It, it, it is strange how the, the, the schools get chosen. So no work session has been scheduled for that yet, um, but it does change the funding and increase funding for school projects. How do you think this one's, what do you, what do you think about this one? Cause it's got funding.
1: Yeah, you know. I don't think in this in this current climate no, I, usually, I, you usually, know, keep it coming back, but I don't think so.
0: Um, they could create a task force for it, though, to study, <laughs> to study uh, whether or not the, the funding schedules.
1: Oh, my word. LD
0: 655, an act to require at least a 30-minute lunch period for students. Presented by Representative Dodge out of Belfast, this one already has a work session scheduled again for April 2nd. This bill, let's see. I wonder how we can explain this one. Oh, it requires that SAUs uh, provide a lunch period of at least 30 minutes for students, unless the governing body of the SAU determines by vote after notice and public hearing that a 30 minute lunch period would be impracticable. One, I like that they used impracticable. Well, Two, I love How do you see this one
1: going? No, I love Representative Dodd. She is just sweet as pie and asks thoughtful questions wouldn't we all love to provide a 30-minute lunch if we could Uh it's impossible it is impracticable we've tried
0: with with the with a lot of the ways that current schedules are set it becomes very 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 hard um and i love the intent of this bill i love the science supporting the more lunch time for kids having a slower time i know that my youngest is an incredibly slow eater. Like, we, like dinner at my house takes well over an hour almost every night. It's, it's tough. I'm done with my dinner in like 15 minutes and then I sit there for 45 oh. um, while she just takes her time. But that's who she is. She takes a long time to eat. I know the science behind this says, yep, give them time to eat. It's better for processing. They need that time for it. They, they'll learn better for it. I get all of that this bill has come up, kind of bills come up before the ed committee before and they're going to say this is a local decision. Right. It should not be I would a statewide love, mandate.
1: If, if one of our faithful 17 have to happen to be in a district that does have a 30 minute lunch, I would love to hear how that came about. I know we've talked about it. We have, you know, we have the most updated wellness policy there can be. But I think in our language, it says about the practicality or impracticality of it. It's just, yeah. it's
0: an, it's an impossible ask. It's, it, it's an impossible ask. And I think that it's going to get stuck on should the, should legislation be asking that. Right. Then again, you might say that, like, well, it won't happen if legislation doesn't make that ask. Mm. But in a local control state, it's going to be really hard. Like if, if this was a curriculum mandate issue, it'd be like, well, no, this has to be, it's going through the process and has to be a local decision and I can see it, that's where it's gonna stop because that's where it's gotten stopped the last few times it's come before. That's my humble opinion, we'll see how that goes. A couple more on this particular day. Our first resolve in a while, LD705, a resolve to improve air quality and ventilation in Maine's public schools, presented by Representative Millette out of Cape Elizabeth, a bunch of co-sponsors as well. Uh, This resolve directs the DOE to amend its rule, chapter 125, Uh, to require standards governing air quality and ventilation for all schools it requires that these standards apply to all public schools and apply no earlier than july 1st 2022 and no later than july 1st 26 and yeah so it improves ventilation
1: it improves the standards because i mean i don't know if if your district dealt with this but you know with, with you know what has been happening since march um You know, we've had our air quality tests and we've passed them glowingly and our teachers are saying something doesn't seem right about it, but our, you know, powers that be have said, no, by the law, we're all set. We've done A, B, C and it's all set. And what this does is it tightens up those standards and says, you know what? We need to improve this and we need to have higher standards rather than minimum standards and i like it and i hope it goes forward
0: do you worry that this is going to be stopped because it's going to seem like an unfunded mandate now the reason why and 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 the reason why i'm not so worried about that is because of covid actually and so many schools and districts across the state have taken some COVID funds to really address their ventilation issues to make you maybe bring them up to these standards. So it could be a thing that has already been taken care of. And this is just the legislation now meeting where the schools have come to as a result of these COVID funds coming in. However. It,
1: no, I, I feel it will. I think this is one of the silver linings that COVID is going to provide us. I do.
0: Could be, I, and I, I hope so. I, told, I can totally I can totally see the ed committee though saying this sounds like an unfunded mandate. We need to be careful with this.
1: Yeah. Well, the superstar of the of the testimony was Christy Crocker. And she was a spokesperson for Maine Indoor Air Quality Control. And she had had her data, she had her facts, she had um, she offered. Collaborative opportunities. So I, again, Representative Millette, when she speaks, I listen. And she's sponsoring this bill. I'm going. I would put. I would go all in on this. And I am a gambling girl, Matt. I,
0: yeah, I, I. do not want to go to a casino with you. Because you'll. You'll just take me for everything because I am terrible <laughs> at gambling, and people love playing I, poker I, because Matt, I wear everything on my face.
1: No, I, I didn't don't. Say I don't know I how to count good. to twenty one. No, I but didn't I say do blackjack. I was good, but I am a gambler. I'm not um, good.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't understand. I don't understand roulette. I don't know how that works. Not just they throw a ball around a wheel. Um, I like I like only doing uh, I, I get like 50 bucks of nickels and I'll go to the nickel slots just because
1: that noise. Drinks.
0: No free drinks. Oh. no. You know, Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Gatorade or you know, whatever you choose.
1: Whatever whatever, 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 you whatever
0: floats your boat, or maybe you'll float. We,
1: all right, do we have a work session for this?
0: There uh, is not a work session for LD705 yet, but there is a work session scheduled for the next one. LD707, an act to promote student health by requiring SAUs to offer extracurricular sports as a requirement of receiving state education funds. No. Presented by Representative Falkingham out of Winter Harbor uh, did I get that right? Yep, Representative uh, Falkingham out of Winter Harbor. Uh, here's what the bill says, the language, quote, a school administrative unit may not receive funds under this part, except for funds under chapter six three A, unless the school administrative unit maintains a program of extracurricular sports. That includes a sport for which there is at that school administrative unit a sufficient number of students willing to participate you will have sports.
1: Please tell me that there was a work session and this landed in the same place of the first one.
0: There is a work session testing scheduled for, for April 2nd. It, it did not go immediately ought not to pass. Oh. Um, it did not get withdrawn. And there are currently um, two pieces of testimony. One from the main school management, our main school superintendent association and main school uh, board association and they surprisingly came out in opposition. Quote, there are not and never should be mandates on schools that outline their sports programs. They are not part of essential programs and services and are the purview of local school districts and should remain that way. I mean, if you have a chance, read that testimony because it's the shortest testimony I've seen. It is one, two, three, four, five sentences Total. And it just smacks down this idea. I find it hysterical.
1: Well, as you said, uh, that our district, I'm
0: Students and their families that. support extracurricular sports in their communities. Participation should remain a local decision. We assume this bill is the result of decisions made around playing during the COVID outbreak. Those decisions and participation in extracurricular sports are and should remain in the hands of the community. Hmm. Uh, and the other was the uh, main Principals Association um let's see do they have anything to do with sports in the state just a little just a little bit um yeah they unanimously oppose Hmm. extracurricular sports and activities are quote extra outside of school local communities and schools can determine if what they will offer so i sometimes you just get these bills and you know you just kind of shake your head like really you will no matter what and if you don't you get no money cracks me up and that ended the day on march the 24th public hearings busy week from the ed committee
1: all right final and question of the final question and yes. i think you know i think instead of a lady smith shout out i think i'm going to just have a lady smith question for you i'm sorry i'm kind of okay today. um i don't understand i probably don't
0: know the answer because i don't know a whole lot of things because i don't do a whole lot of work because that takes effort
1: I, I, still like I still like asking, I still like asking.
0: I just spent four hours watching that Justice League Zack Snyder cut. That's that's my, that's what I do. That's four hours of my life gone.
1: It's times like this when I really feel for you because if Matt Shea were sitting in the seat, you know, you could have this beautiful tangent about whatever you're talking about. But for me, it just, whew, over it. it,
0: it no, it was not, it won't, wouldn't be a beautiful tangent. Right, maybe okay. unpopular opinion, not a fan of that movie.
1: All right, so here's my question. I don't understand, and maybe it's not a question, but I'm going to say it anyway. Of the five <laughs> of or the, six- Of the lessons
0: we've learned from public hearings, go no, ahead.
1: No, of the <laughs> What five, did you say? No, of the five or six bills that were introduced, a few of them have work sessions. Like why do some of them have work sessions scheduled Shouldn't all that are heard on one day be worked out on another day? Like, why is that?
0: I, I have no idea. I know that there are some bills that are were heard on the 17th, for example, that have not had work session scheduled. There, I'm looking at a bill 278 was back on February 17th. Uh, there was a work session for that one, sorry. That was the mandated curriculum one. We still haven't heard back on that one. Um, there were a couple work sessions held, but I don't know. It just, I, it, in the schedule. I think sometimes it might be, have to do with
1: availability. My,
0: my availability. I, in my personal opinion, and that's all that it is, it could be like, well, we see these as kind of easy yeses or easy noes. And so let's just get those off while the other folks can kind of build up their case to bring before the work session. Maybe, I don't know. Because it because of some of the ones that were put up there, like that one, the SCU is to require sports. That one's up. The thirty-minute lunch. That one's up. The encouraging purchase of local foods. That one's up. On on those three got scheduled for April second. I see those as being kind of just, you know, easy 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 outs or easy hits,
1: hmm.
0: maybe, um, but I could be totally
1: wrong. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. TV so TV.
0: no Lady Smythe shout-out, no Lady Smythe smackdowns. Mm. I think I think what we one thing that we have learned is that we have to be careful with our words here because uh, perhaps our uh, smackdown may have uh, completely taken someone out by the knees. <laughs> the power of the Smythe smackdown uh, taken out, a, attacking a dog.
1: If anybody knows what happened <laughs> to the chair, chairpersonship of maddie daughtry please let me know
0: yeah we'd love to know
1: coach rap doesn't introduce with a poem she does it's important
0: well then maybe what we should do is in in honor of that next time maybe we could start with a poem
1: well it depends who's going to pick it out you or me
0: well when i was in like the seventh or eighth grade i got this gigantic thick book of limericks i
1: don't
0: think and it was it was it was a hysterical moment because like it was like a thousand pages of limericks, and I got it. And I got it for Christmas, and my, my mom was like, "Hey, go! We got this great book for you because you like creative poetry, you like language and whatnot." And I started, so I opened it up, and I'm like, my eyes just go wide, and I go, "Oh!" And and, and she's like, "What?" I said, "Did you look in this book?" She said, no. I just got you a big book of poems and limericks. Take a look, and you're like, "Oh!" said i I grabbed that thank you very much yeah that that came right back to school with me i was very popular for like a week and then i went back to being unpopular so i i know about some people from nantucket if you want to talk about poems that's
1: that's not in my lingo not in my okay well
0: all right then, then maybe you should pick the poem
1: maybe maybe i'll write one an ode to matt no or maybe uh, I should write an ode to Bailey the dog since I, I might have caused some friction.
0: Yes, you can write ode to Bailey the dog. We'll also, over the course of the next weeks or so, we'll be taking applications for membership to the Buffalo Chicken Burrito Association. And uh, so go ahead and submit your applications, your resumes, uh, Curriculum Vita. Uh, is that how you say it? Vita? Vita? Curriculum Vita? Vitae?
1: Vitae. I don't
0: know. I don't know. Uh, and if you wanted to connect with us, you could connect with us on Twitter at MainEdMatters.
1: I'm not sure why you would, but if you'd like to, you can also <laughs> find us on facebook.com slash Main Education Matters.
0: I don't know why you would either. Yet, if you <laughs> do, we love you for it. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: Oh,